listen now for God's message for us as we read the first 16 verses of Ephesians 4. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the same one who ascended far above the heavens, so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of, of the faith and the, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Are you leading a life worthy of your calling? Well, most of us think of pastors as called. We think of missionaries as called. When someone's particularly good at and clearly enjoys their vocation, we think of them as called. By the way, that word vocation comes from Latin roots, vocari, that means to call. This is especially true if the vocation helps others. Say, for example, nurses, or teachers, or social workers, or even psychologists. But the truth is, God calls each and every one of us to a life of discipleship. So let me ask you again, are you worthy? Are you leading a life worthy of your calling? Well. The writer of Ephesians tells us some of the characteristics of such a life. Humility, gentleness, patience, not just tolerance, not just putting up with, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Now the writer of this book stresses 
the importance of unity, uni unity that is rooted and grounded in, in the love that God has shown for us in Christ. I saw something on Facebook recently where the, they said, you will never, ever look in the eyes of another person who is not loved by God. God loves all his children. Well, you remember the seven ones in verse four? There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all who is above all, through all, and in all. And we read in, in the 11th verse about several spiritual gifts. You remember some, some would be apostles, some prophets, many prophets lately? Some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. And in the 12th verse, we read that the per those gifts have a purpose, that is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers have work that is particular to that task of building up the church, which is what we call the body of Christ. Well, but there are a lot of other gifts too. In fact, Paul wrote about those in Romans. He named seven in one part of Romans. He said, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, that is someone encouraging us to do the right thing, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness, there's several folks here who have that gift of cheerfulness. You just cheer things up when you come around. Well, one of the challenges we have as Christians is to identify what gifts we have that God can use to equip the saints for the work of ministry, as they say here. The church in Raleigh, the Presbyterian Church, uh, uh, First Church, had a leadership workshop years ago, and they, they had this seminary professor come in from Richmond to lead this group of 100 leaders in the church. And one of the things he suggested is to discern our gifts was to figure out, figure out what it is you like to do, what you do well, and find a way. There's a way to use that in the Christian community. Well, there was one young deacon who held up her hand and said, I like to go to the beach and lie on the beach. How can I use that? Well, some of us told her later, they always need volunteers when the youth groups go to the beach and you're trying to keep up with all dozen or whatever, 20 people. <laughs> Even that can be a gift. Well, um, in the 15th verse, Ephesians lays down a dawning challenge, said, speaking the truth in love. We must grow up in every way into him who is the head, grow up into Christ. So we're not supposed to be stay little baby Christians. We're supposed to mature, right, to grow up. Well, how do you do that? How do you speak the truth in love? Maybe you know somebody who does that well, maybe... Maybe you've developed some guidelines that help you tell the truth in love. Well, for example, I've learned that uh, one good guideline is 
If you're going to praise somebody, do that in front of somebody else. We had a secretary whose family came to visit her from far away, and, and I told her dad how important this woman was to the functioning of our organization, how she kept things running and, and was so helpful and, and how gifted she was at her job. Well, it was all true, but you know what? Saying that to her dad in front of her made her, made her feel even better. So that was, a, that was a good thing. Well, praise in front of others, but if you gotta criticize, do it in private. Nobody wants to be criticized in front of other people. Well, most of us, most of us know a lot about how to be technically truthful and yet still kind of slant the truth the way we want it to sound. Uh, perhaps you've seen some of those top 10 lists, for example, of things to say when you get a present you really don't like. You know, like, my, 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 that is a present. <laughs> Gee, I don't know what I'll do with this. <laughs> well, the best one on that on the list I remember is, I really don't deserve this. <laughs> well, we know how to do that. We know how to use the truth as a blunt instrument to whop somebody over the head. Most of us have done that. I, I was doing a workshop uh, decades ago when one lady kept jumping in with stories and questions and comments so much so that no, she took all the oxygen down the room. Nobody else could get a word in edgewise. Well, at the break, she talked to me. She said, well, I've noticed a lot of people don't, don't participate, and I participate a lot, but I don't know how I could get other people to participate. What do you think I could do to help get other people to participate, blah, 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 blah. I said, you could listen more. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was true, but I was, I was irritated, you know, and I was using the truth as a blunt instrument. The rest of that story is, she did moderate her input some and let others participate. And our friendship survived because we already had a good friendship that was already solid. But that was a risky thing to say. At least it wasn't in front of others. <laughs> well, we know how to say something true that avoids answering a question we don't want to answer, right? Well, you know the joke version of that. And your spouse said, do you think she's cute? <laughs> or does this make me look fat? <laughs> Not a question to answer. But do we know how to speak the truth in love? One person in my life who knew how to speak the truth in love was my mother. Every once in a while, I told you, every once in a while she'd say, I'm going to tell you something in all love. Well, you knew those were ominous words, and you knew you better sit down and face, close the door, face the music. Because you were going to hear something you did not want to hear, but you needed to listen to, pay attention to. Most of us need, most of us need more practice in learning to tell the truth in love, and we also need to have at least one person in our life who will tell us the truth in love. There's a, a famous preacher who, at one time he was the chaplain at Yale University, and a freshman came up to him and said, uh, Doc, his name was William Sloan Coffin, so the fellow said, 
Dr. Copeland, do you mind if I give you some advice? Well, okay, son, go ahead, right? He said, well, sir, when you say something that is both true and painful, say it softly. And then Dr. Coffin, after years of experience of saying the truth that was painful, softly, said, say it in other words, to heal, not to hurt. Say it in love. The words we use and often the tone we choose to say them, not to mention the context, all that contributes to the way that our mission, message gets heard. Well, finally, that 16th verse we read reminds us of the goal that we need to aim for. We must grow up in every way into Christ for whom the whole body is joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped. Our calling is to grow up as Christians together as the body of Christ, which we call the church. Working not as individuals, little hermit Christians, each of us off doing our own thing, going our own way. I read in the Washington Post, one of the fellows that's uh, attached to this QAnon group that's around these days, he said, I read the Bible in the most direct translation and just the words of Jesus. I don't have to listen to anybody else. Well, he's his, he's his own high scholar. He's not open to feedback from anybody else, it sounds like. He's real choice about what he reads in the Bible. Well, we're not called to go off and do our own thing, to divide the community of faith, but to be a growing, living, thriving body joined and knitted together. Well, I've asked this question twice, but let me ask you one more time. Are you leading a life worthy of your calling? Now, sometimes I'll end the sermon that way, just let that question float out in the air. But today, I gotta tell you, at least part of that answer has to be the extent to which you and I, that we are leading a life worthy of our calling, it's only with the help, the guidance, the love of Almighty God. Thanks be to God. Remember, no matter how dark or how frightening this world may become, no matter how frightening your individual circumstances may be today or how they might become tomorrow or next week, you don't need to be afraid because God Almighty goes with you. If you remember that, then the peace of God that passes all understanding will go with you too. Amen.